Well, on this uh, Good Friday, I'd like to draw out two reflections from Matthew's account of the crucifixion, in particular that uh, third uh, reading. And the first is this, the first reflection is that we as human beings are far worse than we let ourselves imagine. We are far worse than we let ourselves imagine. Did you notice the universal mockery of Jesus Christ here as he is led to his death? So it's not just from the soldiers who mock him for claiming to be a king. We see the mocking from the passers-by as well as they see him hung up on the cross. We also see the mocking from the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Again, for Jesus claiming to be the king of Israel, we even see the mocking from these two criminals who are hung either side of Jesus Christ. This universal mockery, unique to Matthew's account of the crucifixion, all levels of society, Jew, Gentile, criminal, citizen, religious, secular. We hear everyone united in their chorus of mockery against Jesus as king. And representative of all humanity. One commentator puts it like this. Mocking God is the human project. When Jesus comes with the demand that we do justice and love our neighbors, we betray him, mock him, beat him on the head and crown him with thorns before we pack him off to death on a cross. When God the creator, source of all good and all life, to whom we owe eternal gratitude for our very being, appears in human flesh, we beat him back with clubs and crosses until the body of God is a mangled mess. Putting Jesus to death is the human project. That is what we do. We are far, far worse than we let ourselves imagine. So that's the first thing I invite us all to reflect upon this Good Friday. That seed of mockery and rebellion that exists in every human heart, rejecting Jesus' authority as king. And love incarnate walks the earth. And how does humanity respond to him? We mock him and we kill him. So please beware of the danger of reading this crucifixion account, listening to it, being read out, and being tempted to think, oh my goodness, look what people did to Jesus back then, how awful. You know, I wouldn't have never treated Jesus like that. Without realizing that seed of mockery and rebellion already planted in each of our hearts. And that by nature, 
This is how all of us would have responded if we were there with Jesus back then. Reject him, mock him, join in the chorus. And Matthew wants us to be absolutely clear that we cannot blame what happens here on Jesus on just one sort of subset of society. You know, it's the Jews' fault because the Roman soldiers are implicated too. Can't just blame it on those who are in power because the criminals are implicated too. Can't blame it on those who should have known better, the religious leaders, they had the scriptures, they knew all the prophecies about the Messiah because the passers-by are implicated too. Everyone is implicated. And not just them back then, mocking Jesus' authority, but all of us here today who by nature reject Jesus' authority too. We are far worse than we let ourselves imagine. But you say, I've never mocked Jesus like this. And perhaps you haven't. At least not in the fully-fledged way we see in the passage here. But surely, we are all aware of that seed of mockery, that seed of rebellion that is there in our hearts, that resistance to Jesus being king. Because deep down, we still want to be king of our own lives. That desire to undermine Jesus' authority in one area of our life where we really want to cling to our own autonomy in that area of our life. Because we want it so badly. The fact that our hearts are prone to wander from God, the ease with which we so quickly can reject his word, the times we arrogantly think that we know better than God, our maker. And so ignore him. Push him to one side. Go our own way. The seed is there in each and every one of us. Do you see it? And left to our own devices where it would lead. Even as far as this fully-fledged response here. It's where each of it, each of us would go. So let's be clear. We are not naturally disposed to God, but actually opposed to him. That is what sin is. That is what sin means. Rejecting his rightful rule in our lives. We are far worse than we let ourselves imagine. Which, look, can be really hard for us to admit. I find it hard to admit. Perhaps can be really hard to admit for those of you who have grown up in Christian homes. Been all your life in a a Christian church, followed Jesus for many, many years. Is this really what I'm like by nature? And Matthew is saying this is what all of us are like by nature. And it is so important for us to reflect upon this Good Friday because it will keep us humble before God and before others. You know, we're not as great as we think we are. It will keep us crying out to God for mercy. We need him. We can't save ourselves. 
It will keep us fighting that sinful nature that's still very much alive and kicking as followers of Jesus Christ. And it will keep us wanting more and more to place ourselves under the authority of Jesus Christ's good and rightful rule of our lives. Well, if that's the first reflection from this passage that we are far worse than we did ourselves imagine, here is some good news. Because the second thing to reflect upon from this account is that we are also far more loved than we let ourselves believe. Far more loved by God than we let ourselves believe. In the very same place that human sinfulness is revealed in all its horror at the cross. We also see God's love revealed in all its depth and wonder. On the surface here, what we see is an innocent man. He's stripped, he's beaten, he's mocked, he's killed. At a deeper level, what we see is God's perfect king bringing salvation to the whole world. Now, the way Matthew teases this out is he uses a literary device, dramatic irony. Dramatic irony is when the reader knows something the characters do not. You know, like in Romeo and Juliet, when Romeo doesn't know what the audience knows, that Juliet is faking her death. So here, the characters don't realize what they are saying about Jesus' death. Take the soldiers, for example. Hail, king of the Jews. They're mocking him. They're dressing up as a king. He looks so weak and pathetic. No, Jesus really is the king. We, the readers, know that. Jesus has predicted his death three times in the account of Matthew. Jesus is in total control. And as Jesus goes to his death, he shows himself to be God's true, loving, perfect king who lays his life down for the sake of others. Why is there darkness over the land for three hours? This is a supernatural darkness. This is Jesus bearing God's judgment at our sin. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he has been forsaken in our place for all our sin and all our mockery and all our rejection. He is forsaken so we can be forgiven by God. And how do the soldiers then respond? In verse 54, the same soldiers who were mocking him just hours before, surely he was the son of God and God turns their mockery into praise. The passers-by who hurl insults at Jesus, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross if you're the son of God. Again, do you see the dramatic irony? We, the readers, know that Jesus is speaking metaphorically of the temple here, not a bricks and mortar temple, the temple of his body, which he's gonna die and then three days later, rise again. They think he's a fraud, Jesus, for the way he is dying here. He can't get himself down from the cross. No, it is through the cross that God's acceptance of us is now available to all and that's why the temple of the curtain is torn in two from top to bottom. Rejection being turned into acceptance. 
The teachers of the law and chief priests who mocked Jesus in verse 42, he saved others, but he can't save himself. No, that's the very point. We know from chapter 20 that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Through his death, we are offered life. And that's why the bodies of many holy people who had died raised to life the moment Jesus dies. Now look, let's pause and just take a moment here to reflect on what is going on. Do we, do we really grasp it, what God has done here? What God has done, not just despite humanity's mockery and rejection of Jesus, but through it. Because in the very act of nailing Jesus' arms to the cross through our rejection of him, at the very same time, God's arms of love are opening up wide to all. Turning this mockery into praise, this rejection into excess, this death into life. For God demonstrated his own love for us that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whilst we were still hammering the nails into his hands and feet, Christ died for us. We are far, far more loved by God than we dare to believe. Do you doubt God's love for you this morning? Do you feel weighed down by the guilt and shame of your sin? Do you think you need to clean yourself up first before you come to church, come to God? Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whilst we did not have a care in the world about him, Christ died for us. Before we made a single move in his direction, Christ had died for us. His arms are open wide to all. You just need to come. Let him clean you up. Let him forgive your sin. Just come. In faith. Receive his love. You say to yourself, yeah, okay, well, God loves me but probably not as much as those other people who seem to have their lives all sorted. And if only I was a better Christian, even if I was more fruitful, you know, then God would really love me and I'd be much assured of it. It does not work like that. It is the other way round. His arms of love are open wide right now for all. Christ died for all. That love is freely available to all. You just need to come and receive, we really are far more loved than we let ourselves believe. Perhaps you're here and you're carrying some dark, secret sin. You've not shared it with anyone. You would dread to think what people think of you. If you brought it into the light, you think it is so heinous that it puts you beyond God's love, it puts you beyond God's redemption. And if that is you, can I say, do you see here in this passage the darkest moment in human history? 
killing God incarnate. And did it put the soldiers, the passers-by, the teachers of the Lord, the criminals beyond God's love and redemption? No, it did not. And it does not for you either. If you come to Jesus, confess your sin, and receive his love and forgiveness. So as we meditate on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ this Good Friday, please be assured of this. That whilst we are far worse than we let ourselves imagine, we really are far more loved than we let ourselves believe. This is our God. This is the good news. This is what Good Friday and Christianity is all about.